So I used to always say that prior to high school, my year revolved around Christmas. When you're a kid, the year revolves around Christmas. That's what you get to plan for. This is what I'm gonna ask for. And this is the thing I'm gonna get that's gonna change my life. That's what Christmas promised you. You had your most leverage to bring something into your life that was going to transform it into a life more like the one you wanted. So whether it was the Atari 2600, or whether it was the Millennium Falcon, or whatever it was, a musical instrument. That was your big bargaining chip my Christmas list. And so for me, my thought processes focused around Christmas until I got to high school. And then Christmas was replaced by the battle of the bands that our school did annually. And once I got to high school, the battle of the bands became the centerpiece of my annual machinations and planning and everything I do is in preparation for that battle of the bands. Freshman year, I didn't even think I have a chance and I didn't, you know, I, I couldn't even get into a band, but I was practicing to. I got adopted like the first week of freshman year by two older girls independently. So there was the punk rock girl that was trying to recruit me into being a punk rocker. And there was the deadhead girl that was trying to recruit me into being a deadhead. And it was great education for me. You know, one guy's like, here's Sex Pistols, never mind the bollocks. The other one's like, here's Grateful Dead, American Beauty. You know, and I, I like both albums. So that year, the punk rock girl we had talked about trying to put a band together for the Battle of the Bands. One of the reasons why the Battle of the Bands was a big, was a big uh, deal for me was because it was a big deal for the school. It was like the event of the school year. This was Antenna Fly, New Jersey, and it was a great program overall. You know, they were they were a highly ranked New Jersey school system. There's a lot of support for music, a lot of support for the arts. And so it wasn't just the individual programs and the teacher and the classes, but there was a community appreciation for it. And so the Battle of the Bands was a big deal. So forget about winning the Battle of the Bands. It was already quite the uh, competition just to get into the Battle of the Bands. And so the week of auditions for the Battle of the Bands, that was pretty intense. None of this I even got close to freshman year. Yes, me and my punk rock mentor talked about it in the cafeteria quite a few lunch periods, but I think a lot of bands, that's as far as they ever go, you know? Things started to fall apart when I was suggesting some Pink Floyd songs that I wanted to do, which she was not having, you know? <laughs> Just in the fantasy stage, you know? So freshman year, it did not pan out for me. Sophomore year, I went to boarding school where there was no music program, no arts program, nothing. I mean, it was just who sent me to this school? Well, you know, you go through your best buds throughout your school life. And in 
eighth grade, I had found a new best bud. His name was Parker. He came to school new in eighth grade and we hated each other. We had one or two run-ins in the cafeteria and just didn't like the way the other guy looked, you know? He became friendly with the guy that I was hanging out the most with and he was trying to like broker a truce and get us all to hang out together. Anyway, that in itself is a whole other story, but as far as the bands are concerned, he was the son of a professional jazz musician and already a very, very accomplished musician. We ultimately became the typical inseparable pair in middle school. He was a very accomplished musician and I was very unaccomplished. I know, especially looking back, I would have never been able to make a living as a professional musician had I not met him at that time. Not only was the bar set so high, but I got to be around him and see him playing and by osmosis push towards a higher level of musicality because he didn't play with the best guys in the school because the best guys in the school were below him. He played it with one guy from Westchester and one guy from Chappaqua and he cast a much wider net because the musicians of that caliber found each other across school and county and state lines and stuff. So I was so far from being able to play with them, but that was the bar that I was then working towards. So for example, I got my first electric guitar. I was learning my cowboy chords out of the Mel Bay Easy Who chord book. But then of course you had to learn the stuff that the peers around you that were actually playing were playing in case maybe they'll give you your chance, you'll, you'll be ready, right? So I would learn all the stuff that they were playing, which of course at the time was shit like Rush and the police, like music that was very technically challenging for young guitar dudes. The technically impressive stuff. At the time for me, I could find the songs in those catalogs that I could pull off. So finally one day I was gonna get my shot. Nothing serious, it wasn't real, but you know, one of my buddy Parker's uh, out of town musician buddies was gonna stay at his place for the weekend. They were gonna do some jamming. And so why don't you come over and, and we'll jam the three of us for a couple of hours, you know? Uh, and I was so psyched and ready. And we got there and like, oh, should we do So Lonely by the police? I know that one, all right, let's do it, right? And I was trying my best to hang in there and hold on. Criticisms came, no, you know, you're playing ahead of the beat on that or this, that, or the other, all right, you know, I'm trying, you know. But then finally they just got too impatient with this child's play and we're gonna play Rush now. And so they start playing Rush and I got nothing, right? Yes, I had managed to learn those three chords of the police song, but no Rush. And so they're just jamming away on Rush as if I'm not even in the room, right? And so all I'm doing is just like, all right, well just, I just have to get through this without crying, right? Like that, that's it. That's all I have to do, you know? And uh, I pulled it off. I did not cry. 
even though every cell in your body and your face is is crying, you know, <laughs> you know, just like that that sting of humiliation and self recrimination and all, all of that, just sheer ego, you know, all of that stuff. Then the next day, I don't even think I stayed over. I think I went home and I went to my basement. And I put on Rush and I did not go to sleep until I had figured out the song that they had been playing. Now, I couldn't figure out the entire song, but the intro guitar part, which sounded like uh, impenetrable mystery to me at the beginning, I could play by the end of the night. And I would have never pushed myself through that without that sting of humiliation. And, and then the blowback from that when I got home, like, I'll show them, you know? So I learned that beginning phrase in uh, the song's called Xanadu. And I had never done that before. I had never learned something by ear off of a record. I would find the chord book or sometimes the guitar magazine would have tab or something in it. But this was the first time I was just like, something that I just, I just thought I couldn't do. It's just something, either someone told you how to play it or showed you how to play it or you didn't play it. So I did something that I thought was impossible to do as a result of that trauma of being so dismissed by your peers, you know? And that was just the beginning as far as that side of my musical education, because each time I caught up with Parker, he had moved on to a better set of musicians and I would have to start from scratch again. So that kept pushing me forward. So sophomore year, Parker had put a band together and they got to play the Battle of the Bands, you know, while I was at boarding school. So there is a cassette of that Battle of the Bands, which I studied and learned every song on that. And I knew that they weren't keen on their second guitar player. They used to talk trash about him a lot. And I was like, all right, that's, that's the weak spot. That's where I'm getting in. And so I learned all the songs and I was so ready. And then that's why I left in junior year because I didn't have my cousin to jam with. I had like a month and a half off or something before I, I started back at my public school. That was the longest I ever had without school in my life, which was spent doing LSD and playing guitar. So I never got a chance to play in the other band because the summer between sophomore and junior year, he had upgraded to a higher set of musicians. So I, I had successfully brought my musicianship up to replace the not favorite guitarist of the previous band, which was called the Tender Fried Clams. But that summer, Parker had started a new band with far superior musicians, and uh, they were a band called Mushmouth. The guitarist of Mushmouth, his name is Thris Isom, he was... I don't know what the best way to describe it is. He was a musician on, on another level. Like he, 
at the time, he was so far ahead of everyone, and not just in musicianship, but in stage presence and in attitude. And he was like a year or two older, and he lived on his own. He had his own apartment and his own car. He was the guy that everybody wanted to be. So junior year, Parker was playing with Chris in Mushmouth, but the school's most enthusiastic metalhead, my buddy Sean, he wanted to put a metal band together for the Battle of the Bands. So even though Parker's main gig was Mushmouth, he had recruited Parker, but they needed a singer. Parker told Sean, my buddy Sam, he's funny and entertaining and we could ask him. Much like me and Parker, Sean didn't like me at first either. He very much disliked me. And then we eventually got over. So now we're doing this metal band, Damage Incorporated. With an all metal repertoire, including Back in Black, Sabbath Sweet Leaf, a couple of Metallica tunes. And I think at the time we toyed with a Soundgarden song, which obviously I did not have the uh, pipes to pull off. I think it was just one song too many. And it wasn't pure metal enough. I mean, come on. We got into the battle, but we came in four out of five, which was okay. I didn't care. I was just happy to do it. But I think the reason I got on this whole thing was I didn't learn the lyrics because I was just holding the mic. And I lobbied hard to play guitar in that band, but at the time, I didn't have enough metal cred to play guitar. So I was just the singer. And I just made the words up. Back in Black, I knew most of the words just because I'd been listening to the song forever. But Sweet Leaf and the Metallica songs, I had a rough idea what the chorus was and I just winged it. So then that summer at Berkeley College of Music Summer Sessions, I fell in with some other very talented musicians, mainly because I was doing drugs with this one kid. We only knew each other on a let's get high level. He was a drummer, but his brother was a bass player and I was playing bass at the time. Turns out they've played music together for the last three years, Have entered their local Battle of the Bands, which was a big deal in their town. They were a band called Scooby Groove, and they were the hot shit. But three years in a row, they came in second place to the same band, Fallen Angel. The 80s Sunset Strip metal band, and they had it down, right? That style of music, that genre, had a very simple set of eligible criteria. You had to have a certain spandex, you had to have a certain hair, you, you played a certain style of music that started with the New York Dolls and somehow became Poison and Cinderella. And so you knew the sound, you knew the look, you knew the attitude. They checked all the boxes and they did it relatively well. And because that style of music also comes with this sense of bravado and peacocking, 
a stage show and a stage presence kind of occurred by default. So I wasn't invited to join Scooby Groove. It was that they were gonna do this Battle of the Bands that they've done every year. They just wanted a singer. So why don't you come and sing? So I came over and the rehearsals went well and we were having fun, but we weren't taking it too seriously. We did mainly original songs. And then we eventually played in the Battle of the Bands. It was the local college battle of the bands and Fallen Angel were in their 20s and we were 15, 16, and 17. And it was kind of in the sticks in New Jersey. So it was like a town event as well. Like there was a big crowd. And Fallen Angel fell, baby, you know? <laughs> Scooby Groove won the battle. $500 in music gear and a write-up in the paper and a big gig at the local nightclub. Obsessions in Randolph, New Jersey. So from my world revolving around Christmas to now it revolves around the Battle of the Bands. Freshman year, I was just fantasizing to get an act together that we could audition for. And sophomore year, I fantasized about it from afar and prepared, you know, like a guitar playing Travis Bickle in my little dorm room in Washington, Connecticut with my guitar, just playing away, getting every muscle in shape so I'd be ready when the time came. Junior year, it was kind of like happenstance. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll sing for the metal band. But then senior year, I came loaded. I know that Mushmouth had written a song called $500 <laughs> as part of their swagger. I don't know if it was to win over the judges or if it was just bravado. It was a good song. $500, right? Uh, that was their song. But who walked home with that $500? I can't say it didn't feel good snatching that $500 away. <laughs> but we won. We won the Tenafly High Battle of the Bands 1991. Within a couple of months of this Battle of the Bands, I was in Mushmouth. That bass player, as you can tell, maybe he's not the easiest guy to get along with. So eventually he was replaced with me. And for a period of time, I was playing in both. I was playing in Scooby Groove and playing in Mushmouth. So I kind of got my cake and eat it too. I got to win the Battle of the Bands. I got sweet, sweet vengeance. <laughs> That was a moment that made me want to cry, but it also led to my greatest breakthrough into being able to do the thing I now both make a living and get the most joy out of doing. But it is ironic that I would have never have become the musician that had the qualifications to replace him had he not made such an effort to deliberately exclude me in that one casual jam. I would have never broken through that plateau to that next level of flame. 
I guess you could say that winning the battle of the bands and replacing that guy would be the punchline to this story. And it is, but 10 years later, my band was playing a show and Jack Black catches our set and afterwards says, hey, I'm working on a film. We need a song. Would you guys take a shot at the song? And I get the script and it's like School of Rock. I crack it open, I start reading it. And I'm like, oh, a story about trying to win the Battle of the Bands. And the second I read it, I sat right there and I wrote it. And that's the song that's in the movie. So, so to me, that's the, that's the full arc of the story.